I want to hand, um, we, we're going to introduce Avna. Um, um, and Avna uh, Boski, Avna and Rachel Boski are the um, oversee Final Frontier Ministries and David's Tent. And as Asha mentioned, uh, Avna is, um, is a wonderful teacher. But I, I just have to tell you, because he always makes me laugh, especially even the picture of the parrot, you know, that he was showing uh, on his screen before he comes. Um, so some of uh, uh, some of the older people on this call may remember, you know, uh, Jewish people have great senses of humor. And there was this comedian, um, Jack Benny, who was just a brilliant, brilliant uh, Jewish comedian. And every time I see Abner, and, and of course, I see this picture of the parrot. I don't even know that's a parrot, but but that face just about sums it up, sums uh, Abner up. He has this brilliant wit brilliant way of bringing and introducing uh, insights uh, and teachings to us that we need to hear. And Asher, it's interesting, you, focus, you focused on the army and the Lord being the head of the army. I mean, Avner is that, that, that's like one of the trumpets that Avner is blowing, especially in his teachings. So Avner Boski, we love you and Rachel, and we bless you. And uh, we're so excited to have both of you on this call. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> well, it's it's good to be excited. Uh, Rachel isn't here. She's with our grandbabies in Jerusalem. And uh, so it's only the lesser better half who is here today. Uh, it's good to see Asher and Sarah and John. And uh, uh, where are we now? Tikva. We lost you. We lost your voice. Yeah. There we go. There we go. I did. Maybe it just happened, but here we are. So Deekva also, it's great to see you guys. And there's some people I know, I know Grant, and I certainly know Holly. And so it's wonderful to be with you guys. You know, what, uh, what Asha was saying reminded me exactly of Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. It says, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you will become like him. And then immediately after, in verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he become wise in his own eyes. So here you have uh, a way to answer different people based on where they're coming from. It's not that folly isn't folly. And it's not that the person who answers is not wise. But sometimes you have to know, as uh, they used to say on a, an old show in TV, different strokes for different folks. Now... Um, in terms of understanding uh, truth, which is another thing that Asha was talking about, there's something I was taught in university called postmodernism. And postmodernism, of course, means that uh, there is no such real absolute propositional truth, that everybody has a different narrative, like the Arabs have a narrative, the Jews have a narrative, the Orthodox have a narrative, the Messianics have a narrative. But I think we're all here because we are not really buying into propositional, uh, to, to uh, postmodernism. We do believe that the Bible is clear. And uh, I believe that, Asha believes that, I think we all do. It's important to keep that in mind. We're looking to the scriptures as the basis. Now, how well we understand that, that's a different thing. Something may, some of us maybe don't understand is uh, something Paul says in 2 Timothy 3. 
he talked about the fact that the scriptures, and when he wrote it, he was referring to the Hebrew scriptures because there was no New Testament written. And he said the scriptures are given to equip the new covenant minister so that he'll be totally complete in every good work. So our suitability in ministry comes from knowing the word. It comes from understanding it. Do people disagree? Yes. Are there basics we can all agree on? Hopefully. When that doesn't happen, you have church splits in different streams. You know, like I would probably consider myself a non-denominational Messianic Jew. Uh, Asher and the people with him are a stream, a denomination called Tikkun within the Messianic Jewish movement. But we all have different emphases. And of course, I'm going to have a slightly different emphasis in some of the things Asher said, whether it's two Jews and three opinions or two Jews and ten opinions, you're going to have to figure that one out. If you ever want to be in touch with us, by the way, look at this incredible graphics. That's the name of our ministry, David's Tent. That's the, the website if you ever want to be in touch with us, davidstent.org. Okay, so uh, Grant had asked me to actually talk a little bit about this book. It's called How to Be Messianic Without Becoming Meshuggah. Meshuggah means crazy. And that's a, a good book. You can get a hold of it. Another one uh, is called Jews, Arabs in the Middle East. A messianic perspective which will probably have some some major uh, differences from what uh, Asher just told you I actually just to understand I think that the Middle East is basically has not so much to do with Abraham at all most Muslims are not from Abraham like Indonesia etc and most uh, Arabs are not from Abraham uh, this is what both sociology history and the Bible say uh, but it's very romantic to talk about Abraham, uh, and so uh, we do. But uh, I don't know if actually it's biblical. Actually, I don't think it is. Uh, for instance, the Syrians are from Aram. That's not from Abraham's line at all. Uh, the Lebanese are Canaanites, according to the Bible. The Egyptians are not from Abraham, according to the Bible, etc., uh, etc., etc., but if you want to read more, you can certainly get a hold of those books or, or read the Bible or study some Jewish history. But it's a, it's a very in subject right now, and I don't know if it's exactly biblical. Um, Matthew 16, Yeshua is talking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're asking him to do a miraculous sign. And he says, you know, when it's evening, you say it's fair weather. Tomorrow for the sky is red. In the morning, you say... There'll be a storm today because the sky is red and threatening. He said, you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but are you unable to discern the signs of the times? Now, we don't want to just leave it back there because I think sometimes we have difficulty discerning the signs of the times. I don't know if I'm prophetic and apostolic, but I do know that I like books and I like people. I like the moving of the Holy Spirit. I love the Word of God. And occasionally I like a nice little piece of Gefeltovich. Luke 24, verse 24 through 6, he's meeting the man and the woman, maybe Cleopas and his wife on the Emmaus Road. And he says, you foolish people and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Messiah to suffer first these things and then to come into his glory? Now, it was hard for believers then to understand this whole business of rejection and suffering. We don't like an eschatology of suffering. Uh, the crucifixion is always a problem. 
especially in the Middle East, it's a lot easier to talk about how Jews and uh, Jewish believers in Yeshua, who are less than 0.3 of 1% in the country, get together with some of the Arab believers in Yeshua, which is less than 0.2% of the country. In other words, 99% of the country doesn't get together in the same way that we do. And that's something to, to at least factor into our perspectives here. But uh, one of the things it talks about, and Asher made reference to some of that in Zechariah 12 through 14, is there are going to be difficulties. And uh, I just actually released a newsletter uh, at midnight last night. You can get that also on davidstent.org. Uh, you can sign up for that for free if you like. I try to write things which are relevant and embracing. Um, but as we're talking about um, a Jewish foundation, right, a kosher lifestyle, um, a common sense approach to Jewish identity and messianic foundations. I remember years ago um, hearing messianic Jewish leaders talk about the incredible lifestyle of the apostles in Jerusalem. They were people in Acts 17 verse 7 who turned the world upside down and we want to see that happen again and we believe that that's going to happen again. But there were three things then and now which need to characterize the messianic movement. The big three. The first one is there needs to be a foundation of the Word of God. Amos 8 verse 11. It's a hunger and thirst today for the Word of God. The second thing is there needs to be the presence and the power of God. Uh, Matthew 22 verse 29. We know various things, but we don't know the power of God. And uh, believers are often split between those who are for the word and for the spirit. And there needs to be a balance of that. And then the third thing is the national calling on the Jewish people. Romans 11, 28 and 29 says that the Jewish people's gifts and calling are irrevocable. And uh, so what is their destiny? And this is where it starts getting a little bit weird. Because when you talk about the destiny of the Jewish people, you say, well, how do I know where it is? The Bible is a good place to begin. 95% of the Bible is written by Jews. And uh, at least 90, 92% is specifically about the Jewish people. So there's a lot of prophetic word there. But what has happened, unfortunately, is there's a judgment on the church. It's happened since the second, third century, where instead of taking the Bible for what it says, we say, no, no, I want to get blessed. So I'm going to take all these prophecies about the Jews and I'm going to ignore the Jews. And I'm going to say the best spiritual understanding of all the Bible is when it's about me. Uh, John Rivers used to say, enough of talking about me, let's talk about you. What do you think about me? And so that's kind of the way that people often understand the Bible, even in the prophetic, even in the apostolic, even in the charismatic, and even in the movements. And it, all this stuff is about the Jews but it's not really talked about. Now, because we don't have a huge amount of time, I'm not gonna tell you everything that I know, <laughs> but some of it's in the Bible, I would hope. So Romans 11, 28, 29 says, the gifts and the calling that God gave to the Jewish people are irrevocable. So some of that means that the Jewish people were called to be a priority people. 
an example, a good example with great blessing, a bad example with exile. So we tried good and then we chose bad, just like Adam did. So I guess we're descendants of Adam and Eve. And so the Jewish people are exiled. That's why Asher and I were born in North America, because we're still exiled people. We haven't fully come back. But God promises he's going to return us to the land. Now, God, as you know, is the ancient of days, so he's forgetful. He, he has a poor memory, maybe Parkinson's. And so he didn't really realize what's going on in the Middle East. He didn't realize that other people have come and have squatted on the land. He actually didn't even put it in Ezekiel 34 through 36. Uh, that's my hint of saying it's worth looking there. And so God talks about the fact that there's going to be problems, not peace, but problems between Jews and Arabs. There were problems between Jews and Germans in Germany. And there were some Germans who said, everything's going to be fine. It's not true. And everything's not going to be fine in Israel. The article I wrote deals with specifically the problem that no one wants to look at, which is what's been happening with Israeli Arabs here over the past 100, 120 years, and where is it going? It's not going to a good place. And we can see it. There's riots which make Black Lives Matter to be like kindergarten. It's very, very heavy going on here. And there are reasons for it, and it's going in a certain direction. And it says in the prophets that this stuff is going to happen where the whole world is going to come against the Jews, not the Israeli Arabs, the Jews, because of issues connected with the land and the Israeli Arabs. So we really need to be thinking a lot more deeply about what's going on here. We need to study history. We need to look at biblical prophecy. The Isaiah 19 thing, uh, Asher and I sat in on a committee together. We have very different views about certain very essential things there. Uh, and, uh, and that's all right. Uh, the Hebrew doesn't say those things that some people are saying. It's like that line in uh, Princess Bride. That word you use, I don't know if it means exactly what you think. But these are other things. So here you go. You got Jews. You got spiciness. You got different opinions. But um, Israel has been suffering through history with three enemies. The first one are military armies, like in Egypt at times. You know, Syria, etc. Um, the second one uh, deals with terror. In other words, non NGOs, <laughs> non governmental organizations like the PLO, uh, Islamic Jihad, etc., uh, and then uh, Hamas as well. And they may be armed by countries, but they're terror groups. And then the third enemy is the enemy within. And that's what we're dealing with in the streets of Israel. And most Messianic Jews have been very, very ginger in terms of touching that because we want to show how much we love our Arab brothers in the Lord. And I do too. But we're not talking about our brothers in the Lord. We're talking about the 99 uh, others who, uh, of them, 60%, uh, if they had to choose in a survey in the 2000 and something with the Ubiya said they would not choose uh, Israel to fight, in a, with, to fight on the same side as, but to fight against. There's a lot of questions here, and I'm not trying to be uh, PC, active, uh, PC here. 
uh, and trying to say, hey, uh, we've got some problems coming down the road. Now, God said, I'm bringing Israel back to this land in Ezekiel 37 without the spirit. And when they come to the land, the spirit comes into them. And then they stand up on their feet and they sit and they have tea with other believers. No, it doesn't say that. It says they become an army. They tend not to try to speak Hebrew because they know you don't you don't understand it. So there's not a lot of benefit in that. But an army, a big one, much, much. So the whole point of God bringing us back in unbelief is to get filled with the Spirit and become an army. Now, of course, Ezekiel 34 through 39 has nothing to do with warfare. Zechariah 12 through 14 doesn't have anything to do with warfare. Actually, it does. Uh, and so we have to see why is God bringing us back to this land? Now, in America, many of the Messianic Jews are very concerned about identity, our relationship to the Mosaic Covenant, our relationship to the Jewish community. They're all valid questions, and boy, I wish I had an hour to talk with you about them. I have all these notes I took on the book I wrote, but I can't do them too much. Now, God has called us Jews to be schizophrenic. Maybe that's that theme that, uh, that uh, Asher was saying at the beginning. We're called to be centrifugal and centripetal. Uh, Zechariah 12 through 14 and Ezekiel 34 through 39, Winona. Um, and so the, uh, the, the centripetal means we go inward. We become a remnant within Israel. We become the best in Israel, God willing. We, we touch our people. We love our people. We share with our people. We die for our people. The centrifugal is the Isaiah 49 and Acts 13 calling where we're, we're sent out to the nations. And so we're called both to love the nations and to love the Jewish people and to die for the nations and to die for the Jewish people. It's hard. You know, it's hard to die for yourself. Some of us who are married know it can be hard to die for our spouse. But God calls us to die both for the Jewish people and the nations. That's our calling. And the fact that so many Gentiles believe in Yeshua is fruit, testimony that the original Jewish apostles did something. So <clears throat> we were created, it says in, uh, in Psalm 105 and in Psalm 22, to praise God. Actually, the name Jew comes from the Hebrew word, I will now praise Yahweh. And so that's the calling on a nation to be worshipers. It also says in Romans 9 that we were given the word. So the word and the worship and the works. These are the things that Jews were called to do. And if we do it well, Romans 2 says we become twice circumcised, outside and inside. It's part of our calling. But then Paul says, Titus, not Jewish, not circumcised, not vaccinated. And yet he could come too. He could be part of what's going on. You see, that's the amazing thing that there is no green passport in the body of Messiah. It doesn't work that way. We're all part of it together. That was neat the way I snuck that in, right? Okay. Um, Jewish people deal a lot with rejection. We've been rejected by the Greeks, the Romans, the church, the Arabs, Islam, the communists, and Nazis, um, the boycott system. Jewish believers, we've been rejected by the church for wanting to remain Jews. 
and by the Jewish community for wanting to remain Jews. Um, and one of the things I really appreciated about Dan Justice teaching years ago, he talked about Torah positive. Now, when he talked about that, this was a day of AIDS and HIV, and I thought this sounds a little bit like HIV positive. But what he was trying to say is this, is our attitude to the Hebrew scriptures, is it positive? Is it the word of God? Do we think somehow that Jewish things are dangerous? Now, the other side of that is, do we think that Jewish things are always better than Gentile things? I, I've worked with my kids for years. They don't like a filter fish. They don't like chopped liver, okay? But they do like klezmer music, fiddler on the roof stuff. So some of the things we want to be in terms of wanting to be like Jews, uh, Gentiles wanted to be like Jews, has to do with issues of, uh, of surface, of the veneer of Jewishness. A real Jew, Paul says in Romans 2, is one who praises God outside and inside. And that's a challenge for all of us to have. So what can I do in about four more minutes here? Let me see here. Galatians 3 talks about the fact that the Mosaic law is given by God as pure, as wonderful, and it has a focus. The focus is to bring Jewish people, take them by the hand, and bring them to the Messiah. Then it says, and when we are with the Messiah, we are no longer needing the Pythagogos, the Mosaic Covenant. This is a subject uh, in the Messianic Jewish movement that there's a lot of disagreement about. There are those who believe we are under the Mosaic Covenant. Um, <laughs> read my lips, said George Bush. No new taxes. So read my book, if you'd like. It's called How to Be Messianic Without Becoming Meshuggah. And there'll be a lot more discussion about what all that means, but I can't get into that too much. Remember that not all that glitters is gold. Not all that is Jewish is kosher. Moses was from Levi. Korah was from Levi. Uh, Korah led a rebellion against Moses, and 15,000 died at that day. A friend of mine, Rachmiel Friedland, who used to be from, uh, he was from, from Poland, he wrote some incredible books. One of the challenges that he and I talked with, we used to speak Yiddish together, he talked about transgenerational tradition. What can go from one generation to the next? Here in Israel, we have a lot of people who've come, over a million, from the former Soviet Union. They speak Russian. Their kids grow up, and they don't want to speak Russian. So how do you get a transgenerational tradition going? Many of us Messianic Jews grew up assimilated in America or in Western world, and our parents or grandparents knew something about Jewishness. So when we come to faith, we say, okay, what's our traditions? We don't have any. We go to our parents. They left the traditions because they didn't find life in them. The Jewish community says the reason you believe in Yeshua is because you don't know anything. So some of us have studied, uh, and some of us have become a little bit more orthodox in our style because we're dealing with rejection. And I think, again, not everything that is Orthodox looking is necessarily kosher. I could tell you a wonderful joke, but there's no time. The wrapping paper is not the most important part of the Hanukkah present. 
And for Jewish people, what we look like on the outside is not the most important part. It's what we're going into. Now, there's a fascination with some Jewish stuff, and sometimes Meshuggah means crazy. Uh, if you see the Frisco kid, there's a term Meshuggah, but that's something else there. Um, some lovely believers are into Jewish roots, and they need a root canal. Uh, they get into things which are actually Jewish occult, like gematria. Uh, they talk about the year of the pig and, and, and the year of this and the year of that, numbers and, and stones and days, problematic stuff. So just, guys, be aware, not everybody who's saying everything about Jewish things is necessarily kosher. What I want to see is reality, authenticity, and normalcy. Okay, that's what we're looking for. Many of us Jewish Messianic leaders need healing. Most people need healing. Anyone born to man and need healing. But uh, sometimes because we are the shepherds of the sheep, we have no place and time for healing. And I think one of the things the Messianic movement needs uh, is healing. Our dear friend uh, Don Finto came to be part of uh, ministry to Messianic leaders because he said, you need a father, you need some healing, something to think about too. One of the big focuses I have, and if you go to our website, davidstent.org, you'll see two, three or four, five really world-class videos on these subjects, is Ezekiel 37. And that's the army that God says he's going to raise up here. An army of Jewish people in the land filled with the spirit and also military. Very politically incorrect, but very relevant for the time we live in now. So I hope I've thrown a few grenades into the stew. I hope I've got you to think a little bit. I hope you go home and say, what was that crazy person talking about? And the answer is, hopefully, the Bible and the calling on the Jewish people. So just realize when you touch the Jewish people, it's like that Persian proverb. There's a Persian proverb that says, don't invite an elephant trainer into your living room unless you also have room for an elephant. So here is the elephant. The rest is commentary, as Rabbi Hillel said, go and study. I appreciate sharing the time with you. Uh, it's a joy to be with you, even if you look rather flat and two-dimensional. But I also look flat and two-dimensional. So bless you guys. Father, we thank you in Yeshua's name that you are good. You are good. And that means, Lord, that we're made in your image. There's goodness in us. But there's also Adam's and Eve's disobedience that has shot through our hearts and our thoughts. It's not just our hearts. It's not just our thoughts. It's everything about us. Thank you, Lord, that you have planned to take broken men and women and make them trophies of transformation. Thank you, Lord, that you see right through us. And even the best things we do, Lord, are sometimes touched by things not of you. Lord, I thank you so much that years ago, you began a process in me. You took me out of Israel. You took me to Anaheim. And you showed me that I needed healing. Boy, did I need healing. Thank you, Lord. Then you showed my wife 
who thought I needed healing, that she needed healing too. And thank you, Lord, for that as well. And so, Lord, thank you that there are now resources in the body for us all to help us in areas where we thought we couldn't be helped, whether it be besetting sins, whether it be anger, lust, depression. Father, whatever these things are, whether it be that we think we're not worth it, Lord, would you help us? Would you put us to bump into people who can help us? Would you show us through the internet where we can get help, Father, especially those of us who are leaders? Father, no one gets fooled. People who follow us know what's going on inside of us. And Father, we want to be reflections of Yeshua. We want it to be Messiah in us, the hope of glory. We want us to have him in us and be the perfume of life to this world and to our people, Israel. So, Father, would you just hear us, hear our cry, and answer us so that we can be more like you and you can be closer to us in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you.